You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Welcome to another episode of Doing It For The Exposure, the show that's sparkly, colorful, and a little bit weird. I'm your host, Mannequin Blue, and today's special guest is burlesque and drag artist, Mix Cyanide. Hey. Hi, how are you doing? Doing great. Yeah, hello from across the pond. It's a bit chilly in London, but yeah, no, really, really great. Oh yeah, I know. I, I feel you on the chilly thing. It is so cold here. <laughs> I have the heater on next <laughs> to me, like full whack. <laughs> yeah, got two dogs and they're curled up in front of the fire at the moment so uh, just all trying to keep warm I think yeah oh dogs just know how to they always look luxurious don't they uh mine don't (laughs) (laughs) not at all (laughs) yeah so why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got into it okay so yeah as you said I am a kind of burlesque and drag performer usually it's a kind of mix of the two I actually started out about four and a bit years ago and it was very strange kind of getting into burlesque for me it was actually I did a few kind of in inverted like classes with a burlesque school in London as a kind of dip your toe into it type thing I hadn't been on a stage for a very long time I before I did burlesque my main kind of creative outlet is I was a professional model for five years so I did a lot of creative stuff through that which was really exciting but as I kind of got out of that I was really looking for the next kind of creative I guess project and my ex bought me a block of classes as a as a kind of birthday present and I went along to those and I've not stopped since so I guess kind of what I do now is a lot different from what I did when I started when you know if you go to kind of commercial burlesque classes aimed at beginners a lot of it's kind of based on classic burlesque and based on striptease and that kind of vintage style based on building kind of a certain character or a certain kind of aesthetic but I guess where I am now I've been lucky to have been part of shows and known kind of different people got to know different people within the the burlesque scene who are really kind of and drag as well really kind of shaking things up so my style from from when I started is I guess from when I started doing the classes is very different but one of my teachers that I had who is a really great MC and host here in London her stage name is Divine Miss M so she's a singer and a kind of host but she really pushed myself and all the other people kind of in our class to do something that's really I guess individuals to you so we had a real mix of you know a real mix of styles we had kind of comedy and circus my my first act came out as kind of a, a dark kind of Halloween clown circus type act which I really really enjoyed and I guess I've just been getting weirder ever since. <laughs> well, we're, we're totally fine with weird. Weird is always welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just think it's amazing as well that, like you said, you started out as a commercial model and then you went into, you did the burlesque, but it was kind of more of the 
classical burlesque and then you've you've since turned it on its head and you're like now doing your own thing with it which is am I right in saying it's kind of like kinky and queer yeah so I'm non-binary trans I perform with a lot of really amazing like queer performers in London like I say every time I kind of perform and I get to perform around here and I look who's on the stage I think like I'm so lucky to just even know loads of these people but myself and my wife run a night that's called Fetlesque and a lot of my acts are kind of well a few of my acts are kind of kink inspired I've been in and out of that scene for the past 10-12 years and it's just it, it feels kind of a bit like a second home so to have that kind of for me kind of creating a burlesque act is always or a drag act or whatever any kind of performance that you're creating I always want to put like a little bit of my personality and a little bit of my just my heart and my passions into that and I think that's what really creates a great act so I've been in and out of the kind of kink scene for years and it just kind of happened that I made an act that just was a big mishmash of kind of things that I love like songs that I love and kind of pieces of costuming that I really love that my best friend made for me and it kind of involved elements of kink like it's got like hot wax paws and you know that kind of thing and I, I I made that act and it just kind of like took off and to be able to kind of create that space for kink positive burlesque is really like and, and cabaret and everything it's, it's a really kind of great thing to be able to do I mean you know it it feels like it's not something that maybe I could have done if I was still living in you know small hometown outside but being able to do that where I am now is really really great because yeah like I said it's 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 a passion of mine but also I think there's this strange kind of stigma that I feel that you can sometimes get in burlesque and I see it across kind of other kind of different I guess alternative performance industries where you have kind of things like pole like where there's that distinction between like pole and pole fitness where there's that kind of separation like burlesque some people want to kind of see burlesque as being classier than something like stripping or something that involves kind of sexuality or anything like that and people want to kind of try and remove burlesque and put that kind of on a a bit of a pedestal and distance it from the from the kind of roots that you know burlesque actually has which is in stripping and remove it from that but I think we've tried to kind of shove it back in and be like nope burlesque can still be filthy and it's great so that's really kind of what we were trying to do is still kind of is to put it back there and say that look you know burlesque can be sexual and it can be overtly sexual and that's great and that's okay and that should be celebrated yeah yeah no I completely agree with you and I think it's something that I've noticed as well is that you do get a lot of like performers that will say oh yeah no I you know I do burlesque but I'm not a stripper or I do pole but I'm not a stripper and it's like okay well I mean that's fair like if you're if you're not a stripper you're not a stripper and that's fine but I think you still need to acknowledge the roots and where it came from and you know while you yourself may not be one of these things it's okay to be you know what I mean yeah 100% and it's okay to I think it's kind of that thing of like <laughs> you see it kind of in the advent of things like 50 shades where like every burlesque performer and their mum's now got a routine that's got like fuzzy handcuffs or something <laughs> in it and it's like I kind of want to be like it's okay like not all burlesque is kink but there is kink in burlesque and that should be celebrated it's like 
not all burlesque performers are white, not all burlesque performers are straight, not all burlesque performers are able-bodied or thin or whatever. And that's okay. And you don't kind of have to try and force yourself into one of these kind of boxes if that's not you. But those things should then still be celebrated because they, those kind of things make up our industry. The industry wouldn't be what it is without having that kind of amazing diverse variety of performers and styles and all this kind of other stuff so I think it's kind of that thing of elevating those those areas of the art form that may kind of land themselves on the fringes yeah absolutely and like even just speaking about diversity I don't know you know personally about the the scene in London because you know we're we're over here in Ireland but it, it is something that I have noticed in Ireland in the last couple of years is that it is thankfully becoming more and more diverse. You know, like you've got more non-binary, you've got more trans, you've got more, you know, people who aren't white as well, which is amazing. And it's, it's slowly coming along. And how do you find that then kind of on your side of the pond? Like I said, I think I'm, I'm quite lucky in where I am in that we have kind of a large kind of, London feels like a real large, like do it yourself movement in that, people kind of are finding those spaces and saying well you know if there's not a night that's going to showcase my performance or performers like me I'm going to make it so there's things like if you're talking about kind of on the you know not white side of things you've got things like the cocoa butter club you've got the bitten peach things like that where they're showcasing kind of black performers Asian performers and then if you're thinking about kind of on the queer side you've got things like non-binary cabaret you've got loads of other nights like god loads off the top of my head but like where where we are I feel like it's kind of London's really like a, a bit of a do-it-yourself movement and I think a lot of a lot of kind of performers are starting to kind of realize that I think you've got unfortunately you've got kind of a lot of larger shows whereby they'll they'll showcase kind of the same performers over and over again and even if they've got kind of a lineup that's like largely white with one kind of performer of colour in and they'll say that's diverse. Whereas people are actually starting to really kind of sit up and be like, well, actually that space isn't for me. So I'm going to create a space that is for me and is for people like me. So I think the real shining glory of our, of our kind of scene that I feel over here and I'm really kind of like proud to be a part of it really like, you know, I can, I can look and see like loads of people that I know putting on shows and just smashing it and also like, not giving everyone the same thing that they that you'll see in these bigger shows and I think that's really the kind of jewel in the crown of what I feel like our burlesque scene is here is that it's not those big shows because you'd, you'd look at them and you'd think like not for 99% of the burlesque community here that show's not somewhere where you're going to see someone like you unless you're kind of like thin largely white able-bodied femme presenting person yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it is so important to diversify. And like, even we've had burlesquers and, and people on the show before who kind of would be of the same mind as you, where they say, okay, you know, this scene isn't for me, so I'm going to create my own. And I think that's so important that, you know, you say, look, we're here as well, and we have just as much to offer. You know, we're just as talented, we're just as creative. You know, why don't you give us a chance? A hundred percent. And I think, unfortunately, there will be some people who just like, and especially you kind of see it with the larger shows where they just won't kind of they won't kind of take a pun on someone that's not their kind of tried and tested method if you if you kind of excuse me for kind of being a bit crude about it but they'll they'll kind of say you know we have our kind of format in this kind of 
line up and this is what works for us and they won't take a punt on someone who's maybe like say for example a trans performer who's an absolute powerhouse and who you'll have seen like hundreds of times and absolutely can kill it but because it's not what they know they won't make that space for them they won't take that punt and kind of risk losing their kind of I guess clientele or their venues or whatever so it kind of falls to people that are outside to try and make those spaces and I, I guess push those people who are really really great into the forefront yeah and then so how do you find then pushing people who like for want of a better term would be kind of not the conventional performer that you would think of like do you find that it kind of because it's a diverse cast it really lends itself more to the to the audience or do you find it something that you do have to really push um I think producing in general is is a bit of a push I think I always kind of underestimated it I've always been like kind of just back backstage and on the stage performing I put on one show when I was really really early days as just a kind of as a as a charity fundraiser so it's kind of one of those things where it was like if I make any money it'll be great (laughs) but (laughs) then when I actually started producing I don't you you don't you just don't think about how much of a kind of push it is but my wonderful wife who produces with me is far more experienced and far better qualified to do it than I am I mean we have we have quite a good system in that I kind of do the fun things and pick the performers and all that kind of other stuff and she does all the kind of I guess boring admin stuff that she knows how to do she used to run live music venue a few years ago that also put on kind of burlesque and like bands so she's far more qualified to do this than I than I am and I think if, if it was myself I'd probably get really annoyed and would have stopped by now but no it, producing is it is a push and it is one of those things where kind of there were these jokes going around at the start of quarantine where people were saying stay home as if it's a night when your friend who does drag has asked you to come to their show oh <laughs> no like, you see people like even friends like that you you kind of know and you see it shows and all that other stuff and you'll say to them yeah I've got a show on come to my show at least share it on Facebook and then you'll kind of get there and there'll be like 15 people and you'll be stressing and it's kind of one of those things where it's it you, you have to kind of have that patience to keep persevering at it to get it to be where you need it to be it's not gonna be something that everyone's gonna take to kind of straight off the bat but also I think when you're producing a show like ours which is kind of definitely not for everyone you have to understand that it's kind of going to not be for everyone and you're not going to get like hundreds of people off the bat of the first night but we always kind of we always look to put on amazing performers we you know we say to everyone regardless of what the show makes we'll pay you your full fee which I think is really important because you know you see a lot of people doing things like door splits or things that are like really quite low fee and I understand that when you know people producing kind of you know want to kind of make sure that they're not paying loads of money out up front to people or kind of I was having a conversation with with someone I can't think who it was previously I'm, it may have been Fee who you had on one of your previous episodes talking about kind of if you are a producer that you are in kind of a privileged position so you really get to choose kind of the show that you're creating but also kind of the industry that you're creating for performers so we have had two shows now we held them at a really cool venue which I don't actually think survived COVID which is really sad Um, I know it was a really really cool venue called the Chateau in Camberwell 
in southeast London and it was amazing it was kind of underneath a hotel and it had these really cool like faux stained glass windows on the wall and it was like this weird kind of grotty little basement but it was it was amazing but it was the perfect venue to have burlesque but anyway yes I was talking to Fee about being a producer and how that's kind of like a privileged position and that if you are a producer you kind of get to create the standard that you you want to see in the industry so you have a lot of producers who will think you know crap I can't like I can't pay everyone their fees that they would usually request so I'm gonna put on a show and do you know do a door split or do a lower fee for people and you know some people may be happy to accept that but also if you have enough of those producers that are actually saying my show runs on a door split basis if you have 10 shows locally that all run shows on a door split basis and you know the the production doesn't go that extra step to make sure that everyone's getting paid their full fee you can have you know <laughs> I, I, I think we've all been in this position before as performers where you're walking away from a show with like 15 20 quid after after doing one performance and you know some people may be kind of willing to do that but also then you've got to think about the fact that you're trying to kind of people are trying some people are trying to make a living off this but also being mindful of kind of people's time and effort and all of this other thing so you know if you if I'm going to a show and doing a drag performance it's usually going to take me an hour to two hours to do my face I'll then have to make sure that I've got everything packed then I'm going to have to travel to the gig I'll be there I'll perform I'll get everything you know get myself ready and then I'll go home I'll travel home if I grab a coffee on the way that's you know or anything to eat whatever that's kind of <laughs> that's that's just what the kind of process is but then people kind of think producers who are new to the to the fold kind of think oh well you're just paying someone to kind of be there do their five minutes of act and then go but then is actually all that time and effort and also there's everything that goes on before like if you've got rehearsals and all this other kind of stuff and your costuming whatever I think just people kind of are really quick to say oh yeah I've done a few shows so now I can produce my own show not knowing the kind of stuff that goes into it but what we kind of decided as a as a kind of rule when we started doing Fet Less was that we weren't going to negotiate with people on their fees all of our performers that we've had so far we've messaged them and said you know if they've applied or you know if they're people that we know do really great kink acts we'll message them and we'll say you know what's your fee they'll tell us and we'll say okay and that's fine and we don't negotiate because then that sets kind of a precedent that people can expect that you know that labor to get people through the door is not then put on the performers it's put on us as producers and then hopefully fingers crossed <laughs> that kind of then starts a ripple effect within the industry that starts saying well actually people should be paid adequately for their time and I know that us being in that position to be able to do that is quite a privileged position but I just really hope that kind of people going into producing will think maybe a bit more cautiously about the fact that kind of you are running a night where everybody has to get paid yeah I think it's kind of a double-edged sword these days as well because like 
from my experience, it's a lot of the people who are putting on shows are like they would be performers themselves. And so it's a case of like being a performer, you know, the struggles, you know, everything that goes into it. And so you want to be able to pay people what they're worth or at the very least what they're asking. But Mm. at the same time, you kind of don't want to be out of pocket yourself. So I think it's just finding that balance between, you know, being able to pay people and at the same time being able to eat yourself, you know? Oh, 100%. And I think like unfortunately I think harking back to that conversation that Fee and I were having the other day it's it's that you know because of the fact that like producing a show is kind of it's a privileged position to to be in and that you have the kind of I don't know knowledge resources time etc to to be able to dedicate some of your free time quote-unquote free time to making a show then what you see is also that a lot of the producers that you have are going to be you know probably largely white middle class people so I just think that we really need to be also diversifying the producing side of of burlesque as well I think you know we kind of as producers need to step back and think or would-be producers people that are kind of maybe go thinking about going into production thinking does the industry need another middle class you know white producer and that actually kind of ties back into our show because after kind of a lot of the there's been a lot of kind of discussions in the industry post kind of the the black lives matter movements that have been happening and getting a lot of kind of more amplified voices this year we've actually made a decision with fetlesk to step back and actually hand over the reins we'll still be kind of helping and I guess financing the show and and helping where we can with with production but giving more of the creative and the directional reins over to another performer who I unfortunately can't name because we are waiting to do kind of an official announcement but incredible black performer who is a dear friend of ours and we made that decision to again you know think London probably doesn't need any more like you know middle class white producers we need to be putting kind of diverse and you know different people at the forefront so maybe it's 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 to kind of it is that double-edged sword in that you kind of want to be you know if you do really want to be putting on a show you want to be you know making a profit and also making sure everyone gets paid but also maybe it's a case of some people sitting and thinking to themselves you know do I really need to be putting on another show like can I, you know, can, can I get involved with another show that already exists or am I okay kind of just performing or is there somebody else who would be better suited to put this show on or who's, you know, who else's voices can I hear in this conversation? Who else's input can I have in this show? Does it, does it need to be me? Does it need to be, you know, does it need to be somebody else like me when I know that myself and my five other friends who are all kind of very similar to me are also putting on shows in this area, you know, on a Tuesday night in London. I think sometimes I think people do want to say that like they're a performer and they're a producer and they do this and they do that and have all these strings to their bow. But I think the thing to think about is really like, does, does the industry need to see more of the, the same kind of, the same, the same perspective is what I'm saying in a really weird roundabout way. (laughs) 
No, I think that's a great attitude to have, actually, you know, not just because like you said, a lot of people would say, okay, this scene isn't for me, so I'm going to create my own. But it's kind of, it's not only that, but then it's actually making space for, you know, other people who wouldn't have the opportunities. And I think that's hugely important as well, you know, especially like people of color, black people, everything like they need to be, like you said, amplified right now. A hundred percent. And I think there's some, some really great things that are kind of happening in the industry too make sure that you know those those people get heard and and you know i know you know if it's is a resource thing i've i've been on kind of courses and things where there are scholarship places offered and things like that and i know there are a couple of producers that i know that are looking to kind of open up spots to to more and i i know a lot of producers that exist are casting more diversely so this isn't a kind of a, a doomsday tale thing of you know the industry is all kind of whitewashed and whatever but people need to be more active in in the in their part of making the scene more diverse and the scene the industry more kind of accepting to everyone is that kind of thing of when the wheels really started turning after black lives matter there was this huge outcry of you know race issues are white people's issues to solve it's the same thing it's like the kind of issues with the the same the issues with the kind of what was the kind of homogenized image of the quote-unquote burlesque dancer being this one kind of type of person that is not kind of burlesque performers from the bottom up to it's not really their job to be bashing the door down to to say let me in I'm a trans performer producers need to also do that thing and you know put diverse performers on their stages so I've kind of like in a weird roundabout way contradicted myself and saying that I love how much London's a kind of do-it-yourself thing but then also saying that you know producers should be doing more I think there's stuff to be done on both sides and I think it's all about assessing who you have producing whether that production is really something that kind of is adding something to the scene but also if you're kind of in a privileged position and you've got you've got a mate or you know a performer who's incredible who's not got the means to do so just say you'll i don't know say you'll finance it say you'll do some work for it for free or say you'll do some stuff for it for a reduced rate so that they can put their vision up there it, you know it's not all about kind of being in that position it's what you can do to amplify those those voices that aren't usually heard yeah exactly and i think it's so important to just say okay look you have a vision how can i help a hundred percent a hundred percent and and we've kind of We've, we've always kind of believed in, in our house, we call it, we call it pass the mic politics. So it's like, if, if you, if this, this issue doesn't affect you, give the mic to someone that does and help them, help them to, you know, to tell their story and, and they want to get out into the public forum because the more variety that we have, the more people's eyes will open to the fact that, you know, burlesque is not just this one thing and drag's not just this one thing. Anything political, whether that be on a small scale with your local burlesque shows or your drag shows or whatever, just it don't, there are a lot of people who kind of think that it's okay that they can kind of speak for everyone that, you know, is, is very strange and I've seen it a lot kind of come up recently with using the word queer and using queer-esque as, as a term and I've been to kind of 
and performed at actually strangely like shows that will be called queer shows or queer-lesque shows that are run by kind of a couple of people who you know mainly straight performers or mainly cisgender performers mainly white performers and it's really strange because I feel like there's only been like a handful of times where I've been misgendered at shows and one of them was at a show that was called a queer show and I I think like it's really strange to to kind of think that like there are some kind of there are some performers who are putting on shows in the guise of that they can kind of they can speak for others it's it's thinking that you can kind of speak for others and you can put this umbrella term of queer on and there'll be a queer person like myself who'll come to your show and then not feel safe or not feel comfortable and it's it's always that thing of I think if you are putting on a show and you're thinking I want to have more kind of of a certain type of person in my show or in the audience at my show and and you think and if you think about it that a lot of the way that kind of burlesque performers and drag performers kind of get onto show lineups is they go and they're in the audience because they're either friends with someone at the show or they look at the show and they think oh this looks like a great great show let me go see if I can meet some people if you're concerned about who you have in your show and a lot of unfortunately a lot of the kind of the the lazy excuses that you hear from producers about diverse lineups is well no performers of color applied no trans people applied to my show no fat people applied to my show no you know whatever no marginalized group of any kind applied to your show well then think about who you're putting in your show think about who's running your show think about who you largely have in the audience at your show and if you want to have more of a certain type of person at your show for (laughs) sorry being kind of blunt about don't just assume that like slapping the word queer on your show is going to bring more queer people to your to your show go out and ask some people that you that you're asking for free advice about your (laughs) producing your show some people may want some money for that because we all got to eat but go out and ask people and say look do you mind if I have a chat with you about this I'm really I had a, a young kind of drag performer contact me a few months ago about a show that they were looking to put on for kind of I can't remember what the night was. I think it was trans performers and non-binary performers, but they they kind of contacted me and said, does this look, they made a mock-up of a poster and said, does, does this look good? Can I get your opinions on it? Whatever. And we ended up back, back and forth for about, you know, 20, 30 minutes sending each other voice notes and me being like, well, I wouldn't feel comfortable if you put this on the poster because I, I don't identify with that. And it's all about having those conversations to be like, well, what would kind of make you feel more comfortable? And when you start opening up that dialogue to think like, you know, what's, what can I do to kind of make this more accessible to certain people? When you open up those conversations with people, then you can see that, you know, your cast become more diverse, your audience becomes more diverse. And that's a really great way to create not only a safe space, but a really like, I guess, like respected presence if that makes sense. I think people will kind of throw out castings and say that we would like one performer of colour, one trans performer, one queer performer, whatever, one of different kinds of performers, rather than kind of making their shows a safe and inclusive and comfortable space for people where that kind of happens organically, where, you know, you're 
your performers of colour will know that they can come to your show and that, you know, they'll see people who are other people of colour and other performers of colour in the lineup and in the audience and all that kind of other stuff. Or, you know, making sure that, you know, you have spaces that are accessible to people, all this kind of other stuff. I think it's just a case of knowing that kind of as a producer, you need to kind of sow those seeds to make that conversation a bit more organic so that people will come to you naturally as a kind of safe and recognizable safe space i think people think that there's a lot more that goes into producing than just kind of booking a lineup and getting a venue and posting it on facebook but yeah no i I completely agree i think that like it is one of those things where you know, if you want to have a diverse space, you kind of, as uncomfortable as it is, you do kind of need to have those awkward conversations with people. Like, you know, like you said, to say, you know, how can I make you more comfortable? How can I make you feel safe? You know, all that kind of stuff. It just, it, it's awkward and it's uncomfortable, but I think it has to happen. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those things where I think it's, you can create like a really, you can create a show by booking a venue and booking performers and selling tickets and having people come and that's a show and that's fine. But you, to create like a really great show that people really, I guess, respect and will keep coming back to, I think you need to lay those kind of, lay that groundwork to be like, well, what what do I need to do to make this show kind of accessible to everyone? But also what what can I not do? So what is the thing that I can't do? I can't provide a perspective from someone who's a performer of colour because I'm white. I can't provide a perspective from someone who's not able-bodied because I am. And so you need to kind of think about, know your limitations, I guess, and have those awkward conversations to make sure that, you know, you're not trying to, I guess, speak on behalf of everyone. So it's kind of like what I was saying before about people kind of thinking that they can kind of slap the word queer on a show and then that'll be fine and that the, the, you'll have a beautiful kind of rainbow cast with wonderfully diverse performers and all, everyone in your audience will be queer and everyone will find it as a safe space and that'll be great. You've got to do some really kind of like awkward kind of groundwork to think that maybe there are certain things that are outside of your experience that you may need to factor in that you never would have thought about before so yeah I think it's just kind of about kind of having as many conversations and I I think like if I could give any advice to like people who are thinking about producing I mean firstly like think about whether like what your intentions are for the show and whether that's really needed within the industry but also do your groundwork like think about who you're going to want to have at your show and think about like how you're going to kind of get people to come who maybe aren't like you but yeah so first I guess kind of like think about like what what the goal is of your show like what you aim to do with your show and whether the scene kind of needs that that line in the storybook but also like think about what you in your position cannot do who you are going to be speaking for and 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 that kind of thing so I think there are there are kind of a lot of people who produce shows that are just like oh I'm going to put this on and I'm going to make some money and that's going to be great but then you think like 
what are you actually kind of doing for the scene as a whole for the industry as a whole are you kind of just adding another night where you're going to see kind of similar performers over and over again or are you really making some kind of like change here yeah I, th- I think that's a fair point that you're making I think people really do need to think about and it's, it's kind of like that phrase you know does this need to be said does it need to be said by me and does it need to be said right now and I think you're right people do need to sit back and go okay does this scene need another one of what I'm providing you know I, I, I think I would agree with you yeah and I want to be mindful of the time is there anywhere that people can follow you on social media if they would like to keep okay. up to date with you for my kind of personal like performance stuff I post mostly on Instagram so my Instagram is at mix mx cyanide if you're nasty that's my Instagram handle I also sometimes when I've got shows and stuff going on post on Facebook under either mix cyanide we also have a fetlesque page as well for the show but we because of Covid don't have unfortunately don't have any plans for the next fetlesque in place at the moment okay no that's no problem well what we can do is we will we'll link everything up with the show as well anyway so that people can just click on the links and find you straight away um and i think it's very important that people do follow you right now because i think you're doing you know you're having the conversations and you're 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 doing the good work (laughs) uh yeah well i mean that's what really matters is to just try you know you might not get it right every time but as long as everybody is kind of moving in the same direction it's going to get there I think yeah or at least when you kind of felt you're having those messy kind of conversations and 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 taking ownership of that I think there's a there's a real kind of I think I don't know real difficulty that people have with kind of saying oh I made a mistake I'm sorry but yeah 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 (laughs) yeah no I I think even I can be guilty of that sometimes and it is it's so important to just check yourself and say okay look why why am I getting defensive about this you know yeah yeah 100% yeah I think we all have a lot of work to do like anyone who's like producing or performing anything like that we all have to have those awkward conversations we all have to push for kind of more diversity and more welcoming spaces as well I think is a huge thing Mm -hmm. that needs to be that needs to be the forefront probably because you know if you have a welcoming space then more people are going to come forward to kind of fill it yeah yeah for sure but just before we finish up then is there anything that you would absolutely love to talk about that we didn't get a chance to touch on oh god I mean I've waffled on for so long about producing that I haven't actually probably talked anything about my performing but yeah I mean I I would love to to promote some things that I have, but unfortunately, because of COVID, I haven't performed since. I haven't done anything burlesque related apart from kind of Zoom shows since I was last in Dublin in February. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a really, really strange time for performing. But obviously, I do perform when, when I can and when there isn't a global pandemic on. And if anyone wants to, I guess, watch any of my performances, they can do on YouTube, I think, under my previous performer name, which was Sakura Cyanide. I'm now Mick Cyanide, just through having a bit of a weird thing about the, the I guess, Japanese part of my name being a white person. So, yeah, if, if anyone wants to actually watch my performances, that would be great because that is what I do when I'm not rambling on about producing and, yeah, not producing at the same time. So, yeah, I think 
that that's really it and if anyone does want to I guess my my I always like to say that my inbox is always open if people want to chat about I guess anything that I've talked about or how to get into performing or how to get into kink or how to do any of the stuff that I do on stage safely that's not going to hurt anyone and yeah that's about it I, I would really love to be able to plug to plug some performance, but I have one gig coming up on the 9th of December and then I have nothing until March of next year. So hopefully I'll be able to perform again at some point in 2021, but who knows? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, when things stop being crazy and the world kind of starts up again, do keep in touch with us because we have like we have Facebook and Instagram and everything as well. So if you are performing or doing any shows or anything like that, definitely send them to us and we'll share them along for you because we we do want to support like everyone that comes on the show. We want to support everyone, you know, everyone who takes the time to come on the show. We do want to support you and keep pushing you even after your episode and everything. So definitely like keep in touch. Yeah, and maybe I'll be back in Dublin again sometime soon. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where you're based, but I've been over a couple of times. I'm sure I will be back again in the future. Yeah, and we, we'd absolutely love to have you and maybe meet in person. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, it's weird. Feels a little bit like, like a second, second home. But no, I, I, I think the the entire kind of performance community and you know we're all all of our lives have been put on hold so I think I'm kind of you know grateful to be doing a couple of gigs here and there but it's definitely a very very strange time but yeah for sure I will definitely keep in touch when I'm actually out on stage again I'm doing my first show in about say about nine months in 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 about a week's time so that's really really exciting (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, do do keep in touch with us and we'll share, you know, any links or shows or anything like that that you want us to share. Yeah, awesome. So Mix Cyanide, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Oh yeah, anytime. Absolutely. It was honestly, thank you for taking the time out and for, for having the chats and the important conversations. It's It was honestly, it was great. <laughs> And if you enjoyed this episode of Doing It For The Exposure and would like to hear more in the future, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at D-I-F-T-E Podcast. You can also check out our stream on nerdsnomedia.com. We stream weekly on Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 